0: Reggie is absolutely correct. In the hood, we call this a punk move. You know, when things are going good, yeah, I'm going to play in game four. Chuck said it. If you could have played on Saturday, you could have played on Monday. Now that they lost, my back hurt. Well, if your back hurt, get some icy hot outs We call this a punk move. Listen, if, if, if you're not ready to play, you would get more respect from the people if you just say, I'm not ready to play. And don't say nothing else. Don't be shooting and saying, I'm coming back, I'm going to do this. That was a punk move. Reggie is absolutely right. If you're not going to play... The biggest surprise, I think, that I've had for the Nets this year, like, number one, why anybody thought that Ben Simmons was going to play a fucking lick of basketball when he left. I don't know, you know, why people considered that. I, You know, I was talking to people at my job, and they were like, oh, my God, the Nets decimated them on this trade. I'm like, no, nobody wins this trade. This trade sucks for everybody. Because, like, Harden goes to the Sixers, and, like, how old would you say he looks right now, 52? No, 30, I'm hoping he's like."
1: Right. I mean, he doesn't even know where to fuck. By tomorrow night, I need him to like go go back in the time capsule, like about ten years, just to save all hope.
0: Dude, his game—that's what makes me the most mad. Though it's like, dude, your game is literally just going to the free throw line and shooting threes. You could actually do that until you're 52. Like, why do you have to intentionally play so poorly? There's there's been so many hardened games throughout his career like literally just the last 2 years right like in the last 18 months he's given up on two consecutive teams and now he's in Philly and now it's just like oh wait does he actually just not care about basketball anymore like that is that is that what it is he just doesn't give a shit anymore i was i always go back to that that kings game when he was in brooklyn still when he's playing against the kings and like just doesn't give a fuck like he's so he's not even trying to to pretend that he, gar- he cares at all, you know, we'll put, I'll find some snippets online and I'll, you can put those on the fucking Instagram so people can know what we're talking about. But I've never seen like somebody who is considered to be so legendary playing that intentionally poorly in like in an NBA game. Like people paid money to go watch this. Nobody's going to a Kings game to watch the Kings. Right, like I'm not going if I live close to Orlando. Right, I'm not gonna go to a Magic game to watch Franz fucking Wagner. You know what I mean? Or like Jalen Suggs. Like I'm gonna go to see who they're playing. So people like bought tickets to watch the Nets play, and he goes out there and just genuinely doesn't give a fuck. That's the kind of player that we're we're dealing with. And then the other side, I I don't know if I've made this like this this joke to you yet, or like I've brought this up, but like, do you have people in your life who don't like watch basketball? Yeah, there's there's
1: enough of them for sure
0: imagine trying to like explain to one of those people, like picture one of those people in your head. Anybody's listening, like picture one of those people in your head and like, imagine trying to explain to that person exactly what's going on with Ben Simmons. They're like, okay, so, so what's going on with Ben Simmons? Okay. So he was in Philadelphia and he got bullied online because he played badly (laughs) and he decided not to play ever again for that team he didn't want to get bullied anymore because he didn't feel like working on his game, so he just decided rather than doing that, just to sit out the entire season. And then he gets traded, as he had requested, saying, "I'll never play for this team again." And decides that he's still not quote unquote mentally well enough to play for the new team, and basically just watches them get swept, for lack of a better way to put it. Right? Like, how, what would anybody who doesn't watch the NBA how would they respond to that? Oh, oh, fun, a fun final fact on that. Now he wants his money back for the year. He wants all $25 million that he was supposed to
1: get. What's hilarious is I actually had this almost exact conversation with my sister, who is the first person I thought of when you asked that question, about a week ago because I was telling her how uh, going back like a couple years for my birthday, she had gotten me, I, I wanted this one Sixers hat. It was just like a white sixers hat with their new logo 47 dad cap like normal hat and i'd asked for it uh, for my birthday she bought it for me for my birthday and when i opened it it had like you ever see how lids or like any other hat store will do like those fake like signatures on the side if you want well it already had one pre- made of Ben Simmons autograph on the side and the number 25 sign. And honestly, back, I mean, at that point, it was two and a half years ago. I fucking loved the guy. So when she gave it to me, I was like, oh, that's sick. Like, I don't, I don't mind. Like it's a cool hat, whatever. So I kept it. Now that hat has been burned and is in a trash can somewhere. I'll never, ever wear it again. So I was literally telling my sister about this and she was like, why can somebody can you explain to me what happened with him? Like, why? Why does everyone hate him so much is what she had asked me. So I had to give her that exact exact explanation of I mean, I took the route of basically the the biggest reason people hate him. And uh, what call, is causing the most problems is the fact that his excuse of mental health is is what's become like the real slap in the face for a lot of people.
0: Well, he's, he's milking it yeah. too, which bugs me because it's like the people who actually exactly. have that problem, right? It's like I, I'm literally diagnosed depressed and I get it from that perspective. But like why would you put yourself in a position when you clearly care so much about what mm-hmm. people think about you to get bullied, to get harassed and ridiculed? Why would you do that to yourself rather than just go away from the scene or say like I'm shut down for the season or, you know, not make a big stink of it in, in, the, in the near term? There's no team, dude. Like, I have friends at my job and people who I know who like like LSU. They fucking hate Ben Simmons at LSU, right? Like, the, the Sixers obviously hate him. The Nets now just got swept with him sitting, like, in fucking meme clothes on the <laughs> sideline with sunglasses on and watching them get swept because he had, quote, unquote, back issues, right? Like, they don't like him right now. Like You're the most disliked player in the league, and you, you, you barely say anything to the fucking public. Like, he doesn't really talk that much. Right, it's just his actions and his inaction. That's like what fucking pisses people off, dude. It's crazy, like uh, the 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 player empowerment area era that we're in right now, where we can go back to just ten years ago, and this never would have fucking happened. You would have been cut, and some shit would have happened where you get you know your contract voided, and someone else can try to sign you to a new one, and you just lose all the appeal, and you know all that stuff gets written to, written into the to the to the actual contracts from a legal standpoint and now it's like because of the fact that the you know the CBAs have been passed in numerous occasions, these guys can get away with doing shit like this. And what fucks it up for people to the to a bigger extent, people who are actually going through shit like mental health issues and stuff like that, is now there's gonna be a legitimized push for game based contracts. I mean any any good owner Would say, we don't want to happen to us what happens to Ben Simmons or what happened to the Nets with Ben Simmons, where they got stuck with this bill for a player who they found out later wasn't going to play. So we're not going to pay him unless you pay XYZ amount of games. It's going to be an NFL type contract Mm -hmm. with incentives, you know, which they're, they're they're already pretty incentive laced, but like. That wasn't the case, and now he's made it worse for everybody else. So any NBA player should be pu- fucking mad at him right now. I'm sure his teammates aren't very happy with him. Like, you know, he's ostracizing himself from the general public, and it's all because he got bullied a little bit because he was, he was in his own head. Like, dude, you got the yips. So did Chuck Knobloch. Like, you have got the fuck over it. You got the yips. You deal with it. You know, like you're a professional athlete making eight figures to play a game, nine figures to play a game. Like, you got to get, you, you just have to figure that shit out. And if it requires you going to, you know, intensive uh, psychological evaluations and therapy sessions and stuff like that, like, that's what it takes. But you got to fucking figure it out
1: because yeah. that's what and your job is. Listen, your job and is, your job is you. To listen to your team doctors is the other thing. That's a, that was one of the biggest issues I had with it is you denied seeing your own team doctors. And, you know, that's, that's where, that's where. They refused to pay him. He would have gotten paid, bless him. for, uh, he would have got, he would have got paid all of his money if he had just gone and seen his team doctors, but I don't know, I don't want to get too, too much into him, his Philly days, I don't, that's that gone, and that's out of my brain, but the whole Nets aspect, and what, the storyline of him in this year's playoffs was something I couldn't understand whatsoever, right. and I, I just He it was a distraction. One hundred percent a distraction. Why they the didn't series. just rule him out for the entire playoffs going into it. And it, it, it was a slap in the face to a lot of guys on that team. And I mean I heard a lot of ex players talking about this. I think like um analysts like Kendrick Perkins and all, all those talking heads. But they did they brought up good points in saying that If I was on the Nets right now or as a former NBA player, it's insulting to think that because you're Ben Simmons, because you're a three-time All-Star or whatever the case is, you can just step on a court after not having practiced, played live scrimmage, anything of the sorts in well over a year. And it, it it comes across as very insulting to just think that, like, uh, I'm a basketball player and I, like, I can just step on the court and do this. No, that's not not the case. And there's players on that team that deserve those minutes. So I don't get why they just didn't come out and say Well,
0: it's, all, it's also – that's the same exact storyline that you have with Zion. Because it's like, what are they – and I talked about this when I ran one solo like a week ago. It's like, what do they really want us to think when we see Zion – Throwing down 360s in a warm up, like what are we supposed to take away from that? It's like yeah, we know he's probably good enough to play right now. Why is he out there? He's clearly not coming back. Why is he out there? You know, and it's like if he comes back, like he's he has no ramp up period. You're like the you would. It's worst case sending him out for a game six. Mm-hmm. Why is he out there? You know what I mean? And it's like that's the same exact storyline where it's like you really think. That somebody with a skill set like Ben Simmons or Zion Williamson, obviously different to, from each other, but still very unique in their own right. Like, they, they can do anything other than just use their raw abilities, and, like, that's going to matter in a playoff game. Like, there's so much tact that goes into it that requires just reps, and you don't have them. It's all from muscle memory. Like, it doesn't work. It, it, it can't work. But, uh, yeah, it, it, was a, it was just an interesting takeaway you know, we could go into Zion all day long. Honestly, that 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 was a weird storyline this year, all year basically. Um, what what would you say? You know, when it comes to overall in this first round, you know, we're we're obviously now heading into the second round. By the time that anybody's listening to this, uh, day one of of round two is has wrapped up here. Um, we're watching the. I'm assuming you're watching this Grizzlies Warriors game in the background. SMR. Yes, sir. Uh, and. um Damn, they're actually yeah. Jaw's actually kind of killing it right now. So, when it comes to disappointments in that first round, you know, we could say the Nets. Um, that's probably the biggest one. I mean, just not even being able to put a fight up against, uh, as we saw in the last game, like not the a Celtics team that's clearly very good, but definitely a little overrated in my opinion because yeah. of that series. And uh, I think the the big storyline and the big. Uh, rhetoric right now is mostly along the lines of like how high are we putting the Celtics team or do we just say the Nets were just that bad? Which in reality, I think it is the latter. You know, the Celtics is a pretty good team. Uh, I think that Jalen or Jason Tatum really showed a, like a next level that I didn't know he was capable of. And that was really on the defensive side. You know, he really had KD in hell the entire fucking series. I mean, I think there was a statistic where he had like at one point, 10 field goals and 10 turnovers with Jason one on one on them all series until like game I think four, so that's pretty fucking phenomenal. He was also passing much better. But uh, besides that, Nets team that really just floundered um, with any kind of pressure put on them. Who who else would you say would be like your biggest disappointment of that first round?
1: I thought the losers in the first round, besides obviously the Nets, um, I thought most of them were teams that didn't really we didn't really have much expectations for so there weren't many that that fell short in that sense for me if anything like a team like the pelicans who we can get into more later like they i was so impressed by that but on, on the other hand the one team that that just i stands out to me as i don't know what the fuck you do from here there's clear changes that need to be made is the utah jazz and I feel like they were at a real crossroads this season, where you didn't know. They've kind of been doing the same thing for a while now. I mean, I went and looked, and I think Quinn Snyder has been there for almost a decade. Like he he has been the, the head coach in Utah for a very long time. It's similar, dude. Why does he <laughs> always
0: look like he's just done like a shit the all the time? Cocaine? Literally all the time, dude. Like, I've never seen someone who looks so zooted all the time. Like, he's got the, the, like, one strand of hair going across his forehead. He's constantly just sweating at inopportune times. He's, like, shaking, gyrating. Like, dude, I think he might need rehab for real. Like, that... That was crazy. Like, it's like every time I fucking see this guy, it's like he's getting skinnier. <laughs> I think he's fucking. Going. I think he's losing it. But it might also just be the fucking dynamic of this jazz team. How much do they blow it up this summer? Do you I think, think
1: they 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 got they got to start over. I, I really I don't know what else you do because Donovan Mitchell is a pre, as much of a prima donna as there is in the NBA right now, and he's already saying how he's taking a week to decide whether he's going to request a trade or not. Him saying that is to me enough like that's just requesting a trade like who comes out and says i'm going to take the next couple weeks to decide whether i'm going to request a trade like that that is just such a foreign concept to me because it never used to exist in the nba but like all right so he's got all the control right now i think he's gonna ask out of there and if you move on from him we all know rudy gobert is largely the reason they lost that series he was a complete non-factor on offense a complete liability couldn't do, do anything on the offensive side of the ball uh also Mike Conley was horrendous you got to move on like there are just so many is Mike
0: the thing is like is Mike Conley just getting old though yes yes that's the, when I saw him play I'm like I think this guy's just old and now. he's being asked to do too
1: much on that team because like he's he can't be the Mike Conley he was three years ago for them it's just not going to happen.
0: But it's all. But the, what sucks also is, like, the Mike Conley that you expect really isn't doing much more than you need from him now. It's just that he can't even get to that point anymore, right? Like, defensively, it's – like, dude, you're fucking – Jalen Brunson cannot be putting up numbers like that against, against a team that's supposed to be that good defensively. Like, as a Knicks fan, obviously I want D-Mitch like nothing else. But watching him go one-on-one against literally, like – not the backup on their team, but, you know, the second, third option on a healthy Mavericks team that doesn't have a lot of options. If that's the guy who you're getting torched by for 40-plus, that's mm-hmm. that's uh that's not good, nah. right? That's not good. I think it has a lot to do with him just being unhappy, right? I was watching – but going back to your Rudy point, like I was watching a play where – they were showing a breakdown where she didn't even have to show it as a breakdown. He could just show it in game speed to show how shitty it was. Gets the ball in fronted. I want to say about four feet from the basket and doesn't even look at the rim for a shot. And he's getting guarded. I I want to say, oh shit, Draymond just got booed. Yeah. Just got Did you see that? Wow. Did you see the way yeah, he reacted that,
1: though to the crowd.
0: I, I think it was a pretty. I think that was a pretty shitty call to be honest. To to yank him for that one. I I mean I get it. Hit him in the dome right. But so like Rudy, you know, four or five feet away from the basket, going not even looking at the basket, not even looking to try to complete the you know the play down there. Getting he's fronting somebody who had he has at least I mean he has like five inches over anybody, but definitely over the guy who was guarding him. I want to say it was like I don't know who maybe Powell, maybe I don't think so though. But they had somebody show a double, and like he literally just passed the ball back out, and it's like dude. You have the longest wingspan literally recorded. Do something with it. The fuck are you thinking? Right? And it and like those kind of things lead you to believe this man is about thirty. It's not getting any younger. He's going to have to eventually, you know, figure something out. Like who is he? Is Rudy Gobert, we never we knew he was never really an offensive threat. But for him to be an offensive liability now it takes an entire new route, right? It's, and I, I, I hesitate to think that him and, and Mitchell ever got along, but it's been so clear over the last two years, ever since the Dirty Boy Go Bear thing with the press conference and the touching of the microphones when he had COVID, it, no one really knew about how strained that relationship was until that point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now the, the narrative is only that those guys don't like each other. And so the question becomes, like, is Quinn Snyder an answer? no. Obviously, you know, one seed last year to get boot get bounced in the first round, right? They lost in the first to an eight. Yeah. So like bouncing the first as a one seed last year, bouncing the first as a five seed this year, you know, to a LucaLus fucking MAPS team, by the way, which is just another entire thing by itself. Like you're losing to a team that is so heliocentric that the fact that they are even in the playoffs without Luca should just mean that those are two guaranteed wins and you took both and they they took what two of them from them they lost two of those games without Luca right so it's just like what do you do now where do you go with it this 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 dynamic doesn't work this core doesn't work here's it here's a concept for you to think about though when's the last time the Jazz actually did a rebuild
1: yeah it hasn't it doesn't happen often, and I, I was actually talking to my dad about this recently. They are, in a weird way, they're almost like a Pittsburgh steelers style organization where, like, they they have always had the same coaches um, forever. What is it, uh, Sloan that was
0: there? Jerry Sloan since the
1: eighties. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was.
0: They they haven't had somebody you know since. Sider and sloan since the 70s so basically exactly
1: and like that's that's a crazy thing to think about and and you're right in that sense too they've had so much success that they don't really do a rebuild i just don't the way the nba is right now i think the way i see it going this summer i really feel like donovan mitchell is out of there and i actually think i've heard some things that he's looking at miami he really likes miami um, and wants to end up there. I don't know how good that fit is. It s- sounds like a disaster to me. But if that's what he wants to do, so be it. Uh, I think it'll work out. Um, but I, ju- the-
0: I mean, I, the thing is, I, I don't think that I don't think that Mitchell is as mercur- mercurial as people might think he is. I think he's just unhappy, and I think there's a major difference there, you know. And I think that he has a right to be unhappy at this point. Now, let's get real. He has a big part to do with that series not being good right he had an insane offensive series the second half of that game where Jalen dropped you know or the the win um where he dropped 30 and and a half right or something like that and you know that was phenomenal but he also was blow by city like Dame Lillard level fucking blow by city for a lot of that series so it's like you're contributing to that also but if you don't have cohesion as a unit and you don't have effective third fourth fifth options on the on the starting you know starting lineup and you have to hope that jordan clarkson has one of his jordan clarkson games and goes off for 35 to win because that's really the only time they win right is when jordan goes off It's, it's fucking weird to think that but i mean like consider that series when jordan clarkson played poorly they didn't win Right? Like sure. he was a very contingent factor in that, which is insane to think about. Because
1: you were it getting, your star. and you were getting nothing out of Conley or Gobert. So it was like you had to. Bogdanovich actually played really well. It was, it, I was about to say, Bogdanovich played well. He was, he was, and it Roy, sucks. It's going like, to come down to people are going to remember that Bogdanovich missed shot, but he, he was one of the only guys. Him and Mitchell were really felt like the only guys that contributed. That shot was
0: insane. Yeah. I mean, it was, you can't I've get never a seen better a more look. open shot from a better shooter get fucking get just yacked like that. I'm like, dude, how do you how do you front <laughs> that? I mean, it's almost like it's what the thing is. It, it becomes it's too open. You'd almost rather have yeah, you'd almost rather have somebody closing out and have sort of a hand in your face. Absolutely, because then it's like the mental fuck goes away. It's like going for a layup when you're just like overthinking it, right? If your muscle memory doesn't over override your mind, then you miss anything. Yeah. So that, I mean that's what happened. Obviously, he knows how to make that shot, but I I also think this uh, you know this Mavericks team um, they have obviously glaring flaws that I think are going to get pretty badly exposed in, in round
1: two. So, um, talk, speaking of the Mavericks, I this like t- kind of ties together perfectly. I if things do blow up in Utah, I've I was talking about this with somebody recently, and I, I personally. Think that if Mitchell moves on, I don't think it makes sense in any world to just keep Gobert and like try and build around him. He's just not like a build-around player. So I think you would then try and trade Gobert and get whatever you possibly can right now for him. He still has a shit ton of value. We all know who he is defensively, one of the best centers in the league. Um, And I I think that Dallas might just be the perfect fit. Imagine him in Dallas with that combination of guards that they currently have yeah i was thinking dallas for him too
0: actually that was a big conversation i've been having with my uh, mavericks fan friends but i don't know they don't seem too high on getting him. they don't seem like they want well i
1: don't think they want that's i I, to me it makes so much basketball sense but like it does it does almost seem like dallas likes playing with these shitty centers so with maxi kaliba and uh, Dwight Powell and like I, I, I just they, they're they want to go with their small lineup I think that's when they thrive and it's like uh, maybe this well, is yeah. what they're gonna do with Luca forever I also think that the Rudy Gobert style
0: center is dying with him I mean is there another one you know Jackson Hayes maybe I don't know there's there's not a lot of like oh like Jarrett Allen is another one He's obviously like keeping it alive, but there's not a lot of those types that really can be effective long-term other than Rudy. And I think also if you're going to have – I mean, it, it, basketball sense-wise, like 100%, he should be in Dallas. That makes all the sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they need defensive stoppers like nothing else. They have had really bad success with the with bigger centers in the past few years. You know Willie Cauley Stein's probably the worst finishing center I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he finishes like he looks like he's got ink poisoning from those tattoos in his fucking face, dude. I,
1: when he I, came I, to the Sixers um, for like those couple games, did you see <laughs> what he looked like? He he, he's, I think, dude, he, is he dying? He, he looked <laughs> like you could push him over by with your finger. It was ridiculous.
0: He was. I remember him in Kentucky and thinking like, oh, this guy might be as good as as good as DeMarcus. and I realized he's, like, such a – he was just a bad attitude, badly, like, right away. You have that kind of attitude coming into the league. Like, it's just going to get worse and worse as you get paid, you know, and so, like, that's what happens sometimes. It's just, like, the – not the worst-case scenario, but the – in that case, like, the most expected result for somebody (laughs) like that, you know. So – but, yeah, I mean, like, Rudy, this Jazz team, it's really – like, it's over, right? Like, last year I thought it should have been over, but, like, this year it's definitely over. Um – I, I was excited for this series the most because there's a, there's a chance that the Knicks get somebody from either of these teams, depending on who loses, right? Like, if Jalen balls out and goes for, like, 30 points a game, which he damn near did this series, and they lost, then Jalen's out, you know, because now he's he's still the second option. It's always going to be Lucas, Lucas' team. He's always going to have a relegated role. He knows what he can do, and he knows that he can help affect winning. And he wants to get a nine figure bag, which, like, honestly, he's he's now going to get, which is, to me, kind of crazy if you kind of look at the rest of his resume. But um, he's going to get it. Yeah. You know, that's just how the NBA is. Um, the question is are the Mavericks now willing to pay him? If they lost, it would have been a no, like a hard no. But now that they've won, and he had a huge part to play in him in like, the lucullus Ma- Mavericks winning that. Um, you know, now there's a, a better chance that they pay him the nine figures that he's going to be asking for. So there's that aspect. And then on the other side, the implosion of the Jazz team. I was uh, I was playing a game called uh, Take a Shot Every Time You See a Black Guy in the Stands at a, in Salt Lake City, which is <laughs> good for me because I don't drink. To... <laughs> I actually don't drink at all, so that, so that helps. <laughs> I say that's what all the Mormons play. <laughs> I don't understand. There's zero appeal to that to playing there. No, like none for for an NBA and for an NBA player who's not Jim or Fredette. There's no fucking appeal to playing in Utah. I don't. I couldn't see anybody wanting to play there. You know what I mean? Like it's just not a good. It's not a good basketball town. Like it's not a good uh, culture town. It's a great basketball town. Like you're. You know. You get supported, but it's not a great culture town. So that's the issue with the Jazz too. If you want to restart, like you're not a free agent. Agent poll. Period. You're not going to get a free agent that's going to want to go there unless you get a really good pitch and you're not like restarting from scratch. It's going to have to be through the draft and it's going to take a couple years. So they're going to have to trade these for a bunch of picks, you know, and like, boy, do the Knicks have a pick for you, folks. Right? (laughs) Somewhere between 10 to 12. There you go. This is a pretty good draft. Oh, one more disappointment for you. How about the Suns?
1: Yeah, I. I'm holding off on that because I still think they might like put it together in this series, even though I do think it's going to be highly competitive, very close six or seven game series. If they can really like find their way and Devin Booker looks healthy, I think you're right back in the position you were at the start of the playoffs and that golden state Phoenix will be one of the best series we've ever seen. But there was a, definitely a moment in that series after Booker got injured, or maybe even before he got injured, to be honest, because they were losing that game regardless. And I, there was def, definitely a moment where I'm like, maybe this team isn't everything I thought they were, because I, I, I felt like they were the best that they were the best team all all year long. I thought they were the most consistent throughout the season, and I was like, they're gonna steamroll through these. Uh, playoffs and win the finals that they got taken away from them last year so i can see a disappointment in that first round but i think more so i want to see what they're like now that devin booker's back and see what they're like at full strength and i also want to give the credit to new orleans for the way they played in that series because i think we all just kind of overlooked them for what they were playing team um not really being legit and i I actually think they they might have been the better team out of them in minnesota um i really do believe that like new orleans is they have a bright future regardless of what happens with zion whether he chooses that he whether he chooses to play with them or not play with them which i think he's out of his mind like he's acting like he's in a bad situation and i don't know if he could be in a better situation right now than what they've put around
0: him. the thing is like I don't know how, how like, negative Zion really is about this stuff, though. I think it's just, like, a narrative we're putting on him because he hasn't been talking. You know, he's, like, away from the team and stuff. But it's, like, in my – from what I've seen from Zion, he seems, like, kind of cool, like, chilling. You know, and, like, he said, like, when they – if they offer it, I'll take the max. You know, it's, like, the problem with Zion right now is – It's exactly what I've been saying about him for two fucking years. It's like, you're going to get hurt, and you're going to keep getting hurt. you got to get paid when you can, boy. Like, your career is not lasting 20 years. Sorry, dude. You just don't have the size for it, you know? You're not a freak athlete like LeBron. I mean, he is, but you know what I mean? Like, LeBron, like, built, like, a literally just, like, an efficient German-engineered fucking car as well as being 260 and, like, effective. He's bigger than that. You know, and it's it's like it's weighing on him. It's weighing on his legs, his knees, and stuff. And and it's not it's not a you know helpful that he's already facing some of these injury problems because that was the only concern that was to take away from the surefire thing in this draft was injury concerns, right? And yes, I I do believe that from here on out that 2019 draft will be the John Morant draft. I think Rashad's called that um effectively but i i don't think that it's fair for us to and i know so many people who are doing this who are just like putting Zion in this bust rank it's like wait for him to come back when he comes back and he's averaging 13 points a game and he can't get off the ground anymore okay let's talk about bust then but now before that when we know what he can do and he's averaged 27 in a season you know for an entire year shooting what like 61% or some shit like that like some crazy amount from the field like that his PR was off the charts last year' were, and like people are just like kind of roping him in now with Greg Odin it's like what the fuck is wrong with people on Twitter right
1: now? no if anything I think I I think where I get so frustrated it, and you're right in the sense that like you can't just believe everything that you read because the media really has had their own narrative going with Zion for so long and the whole when the New York Knicks thing came up and like, really, did we ever hear anything from Zion about it? It was just this, like, speculation that that's where he wanted to go. You know what I mean? I, th- I think what's so frustrating is that I want to see him so badly on the court with the core that sort of formed in the second half of this season. After the McCollum trade and with Trey Murphy and um, Herb Jones – Their young talent, like, those are two guys who showed that they're formidable pieces. And Alvarado, I think so, too. I think that guy was unbelievable in the playoffs. He absolutely earned his contract for next year with New Orleans. I I mean, unless he's going to get a starting job somewhere else. He's a new Beverly guy. Oh, yeah. He was awesome. He's just the next one. awesome. Um. So yeah, I just I wanna see him on the court with those guys because I really do think we could be talking about a top four seed in the West next year if he comes back healthy. Now that is a huge if and I, I heard the TNT crew talking about this the other night when they got eliminated. And it is a really interesting point that he is still so young that it's um it's a true mindset change to realize Right now, that when you are coming off a season where you didn't play at all and you were fighting back from an injury the whole time, you now you no longer have an off season. And every player that is coming off that New Orleans team, they're heading into the off season right now. So yeah, you might be able to take a couple weeks to relax and go on vacation and do this and do that, and maybe like there's some veterans on the team that might not like if you're Brandon Ingram, do you 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 might not necessarily care if you eat a little bit shitty for a week or two right now um you know you're gonna lose that yeah, weight he, and f- he, he, he
0: probably yeah, should he, eat shitty Goddamn, dude <laughs> dude's like 20 pounds
1: exactly he's probably not probably the perfect example of that but you don't know, for a couple weeks here like when you're a veteran it's it's you do have your time in the off season before you get back into basketball shape when you're zion right now there's no off season you have to train throughout the entire off season as if it is The regular season that you didn't play and you need to start eating well right this second because he will not get back into the shape that he needs to if he waits the same amount of time that everyone else on that team is going to to start getting into basketball shape for next year and i i think it was it was shaq and charles were both talking about having to do that in their own careers but let alone being the age of zion right now and having to learn that lesson definitely going to be an adjustment and something that i'm interested to follow throughout the offseason because we're gonna know very quickly when it comes to next year whether or not he took this past offseason seriously or not it's also a case of how do we maintain longevity for a guy like this yeah
0: right it's all well and good when you get hurt once but it could be debilitating when these things happen so how do we maintain his longevity uh how is how does he make himself worth the contract right right it's such a small sample size of success, but it is success, and he is worth nine figures. And any you know, if, if the Pelicans don't want to pay him, like somebody's going to give him a max. You know, some some dumb team with like limited prospects are going to give a guy like that too much money if they believe that it. If the Pelicans don't believe that he's worth it, which I mean, I I can't imagine that they wouldn't. But you know what I'm saying? Like if David Griffin's like nah move along, you know, and the next guy might not. So there's an aspect of how does he make himself worth that kind of money? Um, How does he make it so, you know, when he gets to that point of five, six, seven years down the road, he's only dealing with limited mobility issues. How does he change his game? And I've been saying this about this kid for a long time. It's like, you know, he's not really playing above the rim as much anymore not like he was in college and i think like his game really isn't like all isn't like a ton of dunks it really isn't you know like he can dunk quite well yeah, it's and the he can most. get off the ground but it's all, it's all strength and just out- overpowering people so i mean it's really not as big of an issue for him to lose some bounce as opposed to what we thought it might have been now it's going to be it's ma- it's a, it is a huge detriment if he does but it's not going to be an absolutely you know crisis mode type of issue so you know, we'll see what happens with him going into next year. But yeah, I mean, going back to the Suns team, like, we thought they were just going to train wreck everybody on the way to the finals. Right. And we saw obviously that that's not the case. And now all of a sudden, this Warriors team's playing like it's 2018 again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so it's like, and now they have Jordan Poole who's just adding to this fire. It's unbelievable. This, just another piece of kerosene getting dumped on this fire of the fucking Warriors. And now we're thinking to ourselves, like, is this the best i mean they right now they're the betting favorites i think right in the west to to go to the finals i yeah. think they're they're like a plus what like 170 or something like that around there um it it really is their series to lose against this grizzlies team but i did want to mention something that kind of popped in my head before we started recording do you think that this grizzlies team is now a little bit underrated because of how they played did i already ask that question
1: um i don't think we were recording yet when you did but i I can totally see where that point's coming from because that series was strange It was a really strange series and I think we it the narrative was written of the of Minnesota blowing that series more so than the way the Grizzlies played which wasn't perfect by any means they didn't they didn't play great at all and I think a big part of that was John Morant and him still trying to sort of find his legs and get healthy. I think it was very clear in that series he wasn't. And if it wasn't for Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks, who knows if they'd even have made it out of that first round. But now you're looking at them and the way I'm watching them currently play against the Warriors, it's like Ja Morant's only going to get healthier as the playoffs go on. And if Ja is going to play at a higher level than he did in that first series – and you can combine that with a Dylan Brooks and a Desmond Bain playing at the levels they currently are, you're looking at a team that might be better than they were in the regular season. So I think maybe we are underrating them. I think in Minnesota gave them just enough of a, of a battle in that first round that we started to question, is this team, is it a year early for them? Is it a couple years too early for them? And will they be able to stand up against it? Two powerhouses in Phoenix and um, Golden State. I, I think they're going to be able to stand with them a little bit more than people are giving them credit for. It. By no means do I think they can b- beat the Warriors or the Suns, but I think you're going to be looking at a six seven game series, possibly. I mean, I I'm not sold
0: on the fact that this Warriors team can beat them and and you know in a series. I think that they there's a better chance they will than they won't, but. I don't know. I've always been high on this on this Grizzlies team. Um, as we watch like Steph Curry just have a four point play to fucking take the lead. Um, I you know I've always been high on this on this Grizzlies team pr- primarily just because of the the uh, crowd appeal of John Moran and how he's just been drawing people to any stadium he's been going to all season where it being it's like hard to get tickets at any stadium regardless of how shitty the fan base is when the Grizzlies are in town just to watch John Moran. I mean, that's massive. That's like Allen Iverson level captivation, you know, Steph Curry in 2016 kind of thing. Uh, I was making the, I made a comment that I kind of popped in my head too, is like John Morant right now is the same level of must watch as Blake Griffin in, let's say like 2012, right? Like with like uh, Chris Paul's first year mm-hmm. in in LA when Lob City first started, like that level of must watch like, that's Jaw right now, where if you have league pass, you know, I was you know, watching league pass all, all season, and if the Grizzlies game is on, not only am I watching it every time, but I'm watching it, and I'm not leaving and not stopping watching it uh, until there's a break in the action. You know, if I have to, like, pee or, like, get something to drink or something like that. Like, I'm not doing that until there's, like, a timeout because I don't want to miss what Jaw does. Like, for example, I literally went and took a shower during the game – uh, during game, uh, what was it, six? Yeah. And I missed the dunk in the third quarter. I missed it. Like, right, I literally walked back in maybe 25 seconds after it happened. <laughs> you know, and it's like that, that's, that's the kind of shit that happens, though. It's like if you're not paying attention all the time, then you miss him sometimes. And, but if you keep watching, you're going to see some other shit. And, and, and that's the kind of electricity that we haven't seen from a legitimate star in a while. Right, I mean, what what other stars like have that kind of like whoa, holy shit factor in the league right now? There's not many.
1: I mean, I don't. I I, I don't I mean, literally, literally name one. I can't. Yeah, like Luca, as That's good as saying. Luca is, like I don't get the, you. Don't get that feeling from him, like. Trey Young is not somebody that's going to do that to you. I think like Embiid and Giannis in their own ways can sometimes get that emotion out of people, but it's not like it's just not the same energy and buzz that you get from watching John ja Morant. The average
0: superstar in the league, the only wow factor that you get from them is looking at their scoreline at the end of the game. John ja can have an 18-point game and be the most exciting player on the court for the entire game. I mean, that's that's the difference, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a guy like Luca, yeah, like he hits like four consecutive step backs and you're saying, wow, because he just can't miss or Devin Booker was doing that, you know, before he got injured uh, against the Pelicans. But Ja is every game where he does some shit that makes you just go like,
1: what the – who the fuck Dude, is this person? Sometimes, you know, where did he come from? Sometimes on his missed dunks. That's how you feel too. You know what I mean? Like he has like some of the most impressive missed dunks I've ever seen in in a game too. And it's still just electric, electric to watch.
0: I mean, it's his it's just his, the the balance on the guy is what what makes this ha- like what makes him so incredible. Uh, the game that I always rewind to when I think about just the best example of just John ja Morant playing. The way that we know he can play, and the and just being uh, an absolute superstar in the making was when they played the Spurs back in i want to say February, maybe January, when he dropped 50 on him, you know, dunked on uh, on Jakob Purtle, about as bad as it can be. But the the reason why that game was so was was so incredible was wasn't the scoring output was it was the fact that four of those points came from free throws. He went four for four from the three free throw line and dropped fifty. I mean, when is like seriously like think about that kind of number. I I don't know if I've ever heard of anything like that before. It was all just points in the paint, and the entire time I'm watching this in the second half, I'm thinking like this Spurs team is sending multiple double teams at him, and they are actively saying like we don't want you to have fifty points basically, and he's like no 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 I'm gonna score fifty. He basically was just like no go fuck yourself I'm scoring fifty and he did it. I mean and when you can when you have that kind of sheer will power just to be able to take over a game and and, and create an outcome that you desire and, and against professional opponents with quite possibly the greatest coach ever coaching them. Realistically, now you're you're in a position where you are on the verge of becoming one of the faces of the league, which he is. You know, two years down the line it's gonna be Luka, Giannis and, and Ja. And probably still Embiid, you know, and probably still Jokic. But when it comes to actual pulling fans in, how do we get fans to watch this, this product that we have? right? I've literally been able to tell people and show people video clips of John Morant doing stuff. People who don't give a literal single, admittedly don't give a single shit about basketball. And I can still show them video clips of John Morant and they're still captivated. That's what the NBA needs. Right? Not like Luka Doncic getting a high screen set for him, walking somebody on his ass back you know, down to the, to, the, to the key and just hitting a floater. That's not entertaining. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just not. Like, you do that 17 times and, and drop 50, like, that's pretty entertaining once, he, once you realize that, it, that he can't miss when he's doing that. But like, that's not going to draw the average person to the NBA product. But John Moran, everything he does, does. Uh, another good question. When you look at the first round here, Besides Rudy Gobert, who I think is the obvious answer to this question, which player who is supposedly like a number one, number two, potentially three option on their team, do you wish showed you more out of their skill set in the first round there that you wish could have done a little bit more to help their team?
1: I think there's a couple angles you can go because Kevin Durant was like clearly such a disappointment. But I also think that was such a credit to the defense that Boston threw at them, And I think not enough people are really talking about that. And Durant is Durant, so it's like it's hard to, I can't really like say like I expected so much more out of him. Yeah, he needs to be held accountable. but um, I'm not I don't want to get too too much into Kevin Durant for that question. I think a part of me wants to say, Trey Young, but he did, he had some dominant performances in the series. I think it was game one that kind of set the tone, and he was off. He was really, really bad in game one of that series. They got absolutely mashed. I think he had like eight points or something like that in their first game. He definitely picked it up, though, throughout the series and was like a little bit more. Um, the Trey Young weeks have come to expect but i also think like he set the standards so high in last year's playoffs by doing what nobody expected that you can't really expect him to do that every single season they're a team that was really banged up all year that capella injury killed them and i'd like to i I still think they have a really bright future they need to add like a piece or two i don't know maybe john collins it gets moved eventually and they can like sort of find the right guy to go alongside Job by moving him but the other team i'm gonna add to that list and i'll I'll pick one player specifically on this team actually i i could i could i'll i'll pick two players from this team the chicago bulls are one of the biggest disappointments in the nba this season when you think back to the fact that they were the number one seed in the east at the all-star break but specifically zach levine was a mess down the stretch of the season and so was vucevic the two of them, who are the second and third best players on that team, I get it. Lonzo Ball got injured. But Zach Levine, I, I thought he had like pretty clearly taken that step to being a star in this league. And now I'm like, did he take a step back? Because this was his first real chance to prove that he is a star and prove it on a massive stage in the playoffs. I think this was his first playoff appearance, right? And um, he did not exactly live up to the expectations in the playoffs. I think he struggled in most of those games against the Bucks, along with Vooch, who I don't know why he needs to just stand at the three-point line at all times. I, I don't get it. He's, yeah, he was, a real, he was a real fucking Miles Turner it's, this series. It's just awful. Um, I, I, I just – I don't know. I was really disappointed by them because there were – like I said, there were times in this season where I thought they were – the best team in the East, the Lonzo Ball injury changed like all of that. But I, to not even like really put up a fight at all against the Bucks team, especially after the Middleton injury, the Middleton injury, like that's a team that they should have taken them to six or seven after that injury. And they put up zero fight whatsoever. There just was nothing besides I know, but besides you also have DeRozan. To
0: now that we see we see how they played against in Game One, at least against the Celtics. Like they're actually pretty good without Middleton, too. Yes,
1: either, that's. I
0: mean, that's fair. Without Middleton, what we see from Giannis is a much better passer. I think. Yeah, I think you know what happens when you don't have like the the surefire number two guy is that there's no idea of like forcing the the play to one side or getting it to Middleton or whatever the case is. It's either like Giannis gets the ball and does his thing or he's finding an open guy, you know? And I think that that's something that really with the Bucks, like obviously Milton propels them to just like a, a championship level, obviously since they've won a championship with him. But without him, now you have guys stepping up like fuck Grayson Allen. God, I hate that fucking kid, dude. I, I hate the fact that he did well. That makes me so angry. <sighs> why the fuck can he just go away and it's ironic that his name's Grayson because his fucking hair's gray he's like 25 he uh you know but he played a hell of a series got to give it to him played a hell of a series you know he helped them get the w in that series I don't know if they couldn't have gotten it without him honestly that you're very right that that both team played uh terribly you know the entire not just in the playoffs but also the second half of the year comparative to what they were in the beginning I mean you go back in the archives here, we're talking episodes where the Bulls are the one seed, and we're thinking about how good they can be, right? Yeah. I mean, that's not that long ago. That was in, like, fucking November, right? And now we are it's a complete 180, and it's like, yeah, this Bulls team actually, you know, how long does Billy Donovan have? Are they good as a unit? Obviously, you know, what happens with stars when they can't make any movement or waves in the playoffs when their team is clearly good enough to do so? All of that, those kind of things, you know. But they have a good unit. They have a good core. I think that this team's going to stay together for a while. Um, they need to move some pieces around. I definitely think that they need to figure out the best way to use those players, which is why I think they might want to consider some different changes strategic, strategically on the sidelines. I agree. I'm not saying anything. But, I, I mean, I think Billy's going to keep his job ultimately. But I think there needs to be some changes when it comes to the actual style of play.
1: I honestly –
0: Because that is nuts. It's nuts that, you know, when I'm looking at Vooch – 30 feet away from the basket Dude, when the, the lane is wide open and they have no one to stop him. You know, it's like, yeah, I get it. Brooke Lopez was a, uh, an elite defender. He still is a good defender, but you can deal with him.
1: I honestly think that that might be where the change you have to make. Cause uh, like, I, I still believe a lot in Levine. Um, and I think Levine was a lot better when Lonzo was health, was healthy. I I think that was huge for him. Cause then he can like more, swiftly fit into that shooting guard role that he's meant to be in as opposed to like handling the ball so often um but I think the, the the personnel switch they might have to make moving forward is that maybe that center isn't as is doesn't need to be as big of a name as Vooch do you know like you get a guy that that more fits your scheme to play the center as opposed to Vooch who needs to get up uh, he's going to take away shots from everybody else, if that makes sense. Like, Vooch is an un, unbelievable player, super talented offensive center. But that's somebody that I, I just think is is going to eat up a lot of your shots. He's going to want to sit at the three-point line and take his threes. And I just don't know if that's what they need with the personnel they currently have. Are you have. saying like a big man who doesn't shoot yes. at all or just well, one who shoots less? Just one who shoots less. Just one who, who takes less – field goals in general, but especially less three-pointers and, and maybe a little bit better defensively.
0: I think, you know, that's probably where they're going to want to go with it. I don't think you can justify getting rid of Vuc after a year, though, honestly. You know, they've, they've been successful with them. I think it's really going to come down to just like your first point, what happens when Lonzo comes back. When Lonzo comes back, are they still playing poorly? Yeah. Right. When you have a legitimate facilitator in the level of Lonzo Ball, who I think like the loss of Lonzo cannot be diminished. It was pretty major. You know, he was a point guard that they really were using to create a lot of movement on the offensive side. And you take him away and now you have Caruso, who's more of a defensive guy. And then you have what, Kobe White, who, no, (laughs) like, I used to be so high on Kobe White. I, I, you know, maybe he's better than I think he is now. But I, I don't think that he's. It's kind of sad that he hasn't lived up to the expectations that I had on him. But whatever. Um, I think I just liked him for his afro. Now that's gone too, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> this game is ridiculous. Um, by the way, I know this. I was, I was going to say I'll take your last last round was crazy, and upgraded to this round is on fucking meth right now.
1: <laughs> I got, you got. We this got is, Jaren. This is.
0: Fl- this is. This is Florida Trailer Park <laughs> right now, this fucking series. This is – I mean – Jaren Jackson Draymond is getting
1: chucking in. up threes from like half court.
0: Yeah, he's a liability, dude. To be honest, like he does so many good things, but he's a motherfucking liability. And like last last round really was proof to me that he can be an absolute detriment to a team winning, you know, down the line. And it's kind of kind of scary. So – now that we're through these first two, basically we'll be through all f- the first all four of the games, or yeah, all four of the games by the end of tomorrow when this is up. Um, what are your predictions for this series and also for the rest of the playoffs here?
1: So I'll start with uh, game one from earlier today. The it's easy because I do have one game under my belt, but I thought this all along. Um, I completely agree with your sentiment that we overrated how good the Celtics were. The Celtics, we, I I said going into the playoffs that they were one of the teams I was most scared of as a, a Sixers fan. I just, they caught fire at the perfect time and they are an unbelievably good defensive team and maybe the deepest team in the playoffs. But at the same time, because they swept a Brooklyn Nets team that was a mess and dealing with the Ben Simmons distraction, we overrated them that suddenly they're going to just like sweep the Bucks or something like that. Like I felt like that's how people were feeling. That's how Stephen A was talking before that game started today. And then at halftime, he said he went from saying Celtics in, in six before the game to at halftime, he said Bucks in five. So there's Stephen A. Ford. Um, but I, I'm i taking the bucks in that series um, in the end. I think it's once, uh, maybe all these series are going to go six or seven, except for maybe the Sixers. And I'm hoping <laughs> that it can go six or seven. But I, I just don't know in the end if there's any way they can stop what Giannis brings to the table. I know the Celtics are such a good defensive team, and I'm curious to see how they adjust from game one. But just to think about the fact that Giannis kind of was held in check today, and still, I think he had finished with like 24 points. But the way he changes the game, he had a triple-double. And like you said, getting with Middleton not on the court, the way he got his other teammates involved and how important Bobby Portis is to that team, I just... They are just as deep, maybe, as the Celtics, and I think the star power just overwhelms them. And the other thing is as great as they are, we saw today, and it's been proven many times before and throughout this season, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown but can both get <clears throat> excuse me. They can both get cold at any time. And when they get cold, they get freezing cold those two do not have like mediocre games it's it's when they have a bad game they can't hit shit and that is they literally it, they're like bad.
0: they're like when they're like when two girls hang out too much and their periods link up because <laughs> they're they always seem to suck at the same yes time. and it, it's so a they shame sucked at the same time it's a
1: shame because if one <laughs> of them was decent today i i, I think you might have they it might have been a game at least Jalen Brown was horrendous, and and Tatum really wasn't that great either. I was say Tatum Tatum really
0: he didn't play well. Period. I mean, he had some run stoppers. Yeah, but it's like if your if your highlights of the game are all run stopping like threes, it's not that's not a good look on you, bro. Like you had a he had a shot to cut it to single digits with four minutes left. He fucking airballed it. You know what I mean? Like at home. I just, like, what happened? Like, I get it. These guys are still young. Like, I think we, it's, we're, we're doing ourselves or, and them a detriment by making it sound like they're full-grown men. Like, he's only 23, 24. That's fucking young. You know what I mean? Jason Tatum is and will be uh, a superstar in the league. He's playing, like, first, like, first team all the NBA status right now. Um, in the first round, he like you're talking about how bad that KD played. It was a lot of it was Jason Tatum who was one on one with the guy. you know, like
1: mm-hmm.
0: you just really put him in lockdown for for three games. Smart was the same way. Like this team has all the pieces that you need to go to a finals, and they are in the most advantageous spot other than if the bulls somehow beat the bucks. Yeah, this is the best case scenario they can have other than the actual upset of the team. Right, and they haven't been able. They clearly didn't show up. I think they might have had too many games off. We'll see what happens because they do. Those two guys do tend to play better when their their backs are up against the wall. Yeah. You know, like Tatum and and Brown definitely play well under pressure. But when they're complacent in the beginning, they cannot turn it on.
1: The other thing they have is oh shit. They are definitely going to need uh. I, I just Marcus Smart I think went to the locker room at the end of that game I know he had gotten injured yeah, around halftime he needs to be healthy because he is so important to that major problem if
0: he's if he's not in that game yeah major major problem they need him that
1: guard the guard battle in in that series is really interesting like Drew Holiday and Marcus Smart are oddly similar players in a way Drew yeah. Drew is is more like gifted. But they're just they're both dogs, and like I I think that though almost takes away from how good, um, or how impactful Marcus Smart is when he's guarding Drew Holiday because they they play so similarly, and it's like is shutting down Drew Holiday really going to make or break the game? Do you know what I mean? Like, whereas when Marcus yeah, Smart, I think it, I honestly Tyree, to that
0: point because. But, I mean, when you're saying that, like, I totally see where you're coming from in the comparison, but I do think that if Drew Holiday gets taken out of this game, and you can't use him on offense, and you have to only use him as a defensive player, which there's a lot of effect there, without his ability, and I think also it has a lot to do with why Giannis had a lot of assists today, is because Marcus Smart played on Drew Holiday, and so it's like, what do you do when Drew's not capable of being an offensive threat, right? Mm Mm-hmm and you have to have Giannis um, as your primary play initiator. Is he capable of doing that for a, for a seven-game series? I mean, obviously the answer is yes, but it's like, can you beat him when he is, right? That's that's the way that may's going to have to take the, the, the takeaway he's going to have to have from this game because there were some high points, but there was a lot of low points. You know, Time Lord, a little bit of a... Low point, you know. I thought it was funny. was it? Who is it who was, was it Harlan on the call? It wasn't Breen. And anyway, who, whoever it was, like he took a clear kick to the dick. And he's like, it looks like he got kicked in the midsection. I'm like, that's what you call a fucking <laughs> midsection? Like it's obvious what happened to him. They're like, oh, yeah, he's down. We're wondering what's wrong. It's like he just got kicked in the nuts, guys. Like let's look at the slow-mo one time and make that determination. Not fucking hard. You know what I mean?
1: I miss but that.
0: you know the 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 big thing for me is all of these guys when they're healthy and playing the way that they're supposed to play that's when the success you know that's where it's successful but when anybody is playing off like they did today then you have you know the, the celtics from november yeah come back into the equation and that's a problem
1: no it definitely is and i i i We'll see what happens there. I'm I'm taking the Bucks for the series, but I mean Tatum and Jalen Brown. I, you get hot. They have enough games where they're hot in this series. Then the, they'll find a way to win it. But I just that's it. I feel like the Bucks can go cold and still win a game, and the Celtics can't. Um, and then just to go back to the predictions, I, I would say for this series, I I don't I don't think Memphis. Is going to be able to pull it out in the end. I I just think Golden State right now is is playing at such an unbelievably high level, and the fact that they don't really Memphis doesn't really have anyone that can capitalize on the one weakness you might argue that Golden State has, which is playing Draymond at the five, and I think that comes back to bite them a little bit too. I, there's there's no way that they can really take advantage of that weakness i thought it was interesting that uh the warriors started gary payton today i thought that was really i didn't expect them to do that i thought they would keep rolling with that like what's the lineup they call with uh jordan pool in their death lineup the death line lineup of death. yeah yeah um but i thought that was a strange move but that just goes to show you like the way they're going to adjust and i uh, i guess it was the the focus on, I assume Gary was probably guarding either. I don't know, was he guarding Ja? That would make yeah. sense to me that that was the yeah, reason. Yeah, they put him on Ja. So uh, I, I just think Golden State's too powerful. They they have shooting like nobody else, and that's probably what Memphis's greatest gift is, too. And they, uh, Golden State will outshoot them every single game, you would think. They just have so many weapons, too. Like we talk about the Celtics going cold like you have Tatum and Brown go cold and they're ju- just done like who else is going to score. Golden State could have Seth or Steph Curry and uh Clay go ice cold and all of a sudden you have Jordan Poole now who has turned into probably a future all-star the way he looks right now. Or Wiggins. Or and Wiggins has been really bad since the all-star break too. But he's still yeah, it's
0: kind of like he, I I still I cannot watch him play without the idea that that man was an all-star starter <laughs> yeah <laughs> wait you right like i think yes. we're gonna look back at that it's and be like that might be the worst <laughs> in all-star ever history. the worst i've ever seen i couldn't believe it at the time i was like no i'm like going through all the numbers i'm like there's so many other people who should be there it's like just because the team's good, it goes back to the Warriors being the Warriors. I mean, but Wiggins can turn it on at any point. It just it right now he's going through a bat a, a cold streak. So you know I think there's a big thing there. But you're 100 percent right. I, I there's the only they're the deepest team in the playoffs left. Um, they have the most experience of anybody in the playoffs left. Uh, they they have the best. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, two. T- they have a top five player in the playoffs. They have a top. 10 player now with the meteoric rise in my opinion of Jordan Poole I think he kind of have to consider and put in the top 10 of the teams left yeah um, and Clay Thompson I mean I've been watching this game in the background just seeing nothing but amazing defensive possessions from him mm-hmm. like he's just got he's got Dylan Brooks in a blender all game nothing no no movement getting through every screen you know like he's not losing an inch on him and Brooks hasn't been able to get anything going. So, you know, that's a huge part of Klay Thompson, so there's that. And then, you know, what do you how do you genuinely stop Ja? Okay, well, I guess you kind of have to concede that you're probably not going to every time. Um but it's the same way that the Celtics looked at it with the with the Nets, it's like give it give them 40, whatever. No one else is going to do anything. You know. And so that's I think the Warriors just have more staying power. It's going to be a dogfight, but I do believe I'm, – I'm rooting for the Grizzlies, but I think the Warriors probably are going to take them um, just from a standpoint of, of knowledge, like basketball knowledge. It's probably going to be the Warriors to lose. I think the Mavericks are going to give the Suns a bigger run than people think. Mm-hmm. They are the most heliocentric team in the league by far. They have the player with the highest usage rate. Um, I do, I'm assuming, right? I don't even know that for a fact, but I'm just literally, I couldn't imagine anybody's got more of yeah. a trait than Luka. <laughs> there's,
1: wait, there's another player. I was literally Maybe just Jokic. talking about this. He
0: is. I bet it's, I bet it's Jokic. It has to, or Trey. It's Jokic or Trey. I couldn't imagine anybody else.
1: Yeah, I, I Luka is, I think, the number one when he's healthy. Wow. When he was they healthy, are just but. putting a
0: fucking foot on their throats right now. Um, and then, you know, so, but I think that the, the Mavericks now have enough, enough momentum to make it a series. And I think the Suns probably have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder now knowing that they are beatable, but they are still the best team in the league. And it's not even relatively close. So, you know, you have to kind of look at it from that perspective as well. Um, Chris Paul, Has the capability now that we know of going fourteen for fourteen in a fucking closeout. Jesus, dude, like cement your fucking legacy, boy. Like Jesus Christ, what a game! You know, just he just keeps doing it. Year, year, what? Uh, This is year seventeen for him, and he's he's doing the same way that he did it when he was a rookie, second, third year. I mean, you know, he doesn't take, he hasn't lost a step, but I think it's really going to be they go. Honestly, they go where Devin takes them. And knowing what Devin can do after dropping, what, 31 in that first half before he got hurt, uh, you know, we're going to see. How does he come back? Um, I'm saying that game goes five, or that series goes five, maybe six. They're going to give him a little bit of a run for their money, but ultimately the Suns are just going to be too good. I really Buck Celtics, I think, is going to be the, the only seven-game series, I believe. Um, there's a chance this one could go to the Memphis, Golden State. If you know, if, if there's momentum on either side, and then unfortunately for your for your Sixers, I think that the the Heat are just gonna, because I mean even when he, Embiid comes back, like he needs surgery on that hand, and he's gonna have to face Bam for the whole fucking series and you know, now who are the other options? Like Maxie's going to have somebody switching off of him at all time. You're going to have like Jimmy Butler potentially guarding him at some points. Like Tobias is going to probably be primarily guarded by Jimmy. Who's a fucking phenomenal defender. You know, all of their young guys are getting much better at defense because of Spolstra. Tyler hero shown me some on the defensive side, Gabriel Vincent, you know, definitely an, uh, uh, an improvement on defense comparative to, to what they've had in the past. So they're, they're just able to switch so effectively Get back to the size mismatches. Um, You know when they're. What I mean by that is when there are size mismatches, they get they get back. You know quickly to to subvert that really well, and so that's going to be the only way that you really could beat the the heat on offense is by getting a mismatch on those switches. But they're so good at switching back that it's it was kind of just nullified in the first round. Yeah. So
1: you know that's the sh- I don't know the shame of it is um the Bam Adebayo matchup for Joel is oddly favorable because of what you're talking about with the switches they Adebayo's biggest gift is how versatile he is when he gets switched onto uh another offensive player that isn't a big man and he's able to defend them so well because he is such an athletic five when it comes to Embiid, though, you, and you're dealing with the double teams a lot of the time, Adebayo really isn't the prototypical center that you would want guarding Embiid. And, and, and Embiid's roasted him in the past for that reason. So I just think that that's it, it's such a shame. I, I, I love the Heat matchup for the Sixers, but it's just when you're going to have to play with... Out Embiid for at least two games, and then even with Embiid, he is now dealing with two completely separate injuries. the The hand is one thing; he was already playing through that. Now you have a facial contusion and a concussion. I, it's just there's too many moving parts right now, and I think in the end, it's going to be a convenient excuse to let go of Doc Rivers at the end of the year because of this series. I some people are saying that this could save Doc Rivers' job because if they lose to the Heat, you have the um, fallback of Joel Embiid was injured. But I also think the fact that he had left Joel in that game up 30, which is all because of Ben Simmons and blowing all of those leads against the Hawks, that he can't feel comfortable with a 30-point lead with six minutes to go or whatever um, the number was, I I think that that in the end, Doc Rivers is gonna is gonna be moving on because of this series. So as so the one bright side. I'm not. I I understand that it's probably time to make that move, but it, it's just a shame, man. I I want to see Joel is as, as driven as he's ever been in these playoffs. This full season, it's just it's a whole new level of motivation that he has. So it, it's just you never want to see somebody get taken out of. What they've been working so hard towards all season long. The same way I didn't want to see, or no Philly fan wanted to see, Scotty Barnes get injured in the game one of that series. I don't think anybody should be happy that Joel just had this get taken away from him in the in the middle of this series. Last question: Who's tougher, Joel or Ben Simmons? <laughs> I will. It's a fucking joke. I will dude. not answer that question. I can't
0: believe it. It's so funny to think like how much shit Joel is literally currently dealing with and still trying to play. You know, he he's sick not being able to play right now. Out two games with the shit that he's dealing with, like, literally needs a, a surgery on his shooting hand, right? It's a shooting hand, isn't it? Well, no,
1: he's getting – the surgery is facial contusion oh. from the – But doesn't he have a to- oh, tendon tear in his hand? Yeah, he has that as well. That happened at the – that happened halfway through the Raptor series but in game you No, know,
0: that's what I'm saying like he he needs surgery for this contusion but he literally like is also dealing oh, with yeah. his hand thing that's like significantly more sig- serious and he played through that shit and now he's literally only sitting probably cuz they forced him to. Yeah. Well, hey, shout out Joel, bro. He's an actual G.
1: The I right now the only reason he's sitting is because of concussion protocol in the NBA. Like they're not allowed to play. I think it's five days. You, you have to sit at sit out at least five days. So that would put him at um, that. I think maybe based on concussion protocol, he might be able to play game two. But they're just not even going to send him to Miami and just right. hope that he can return in Philly. But yeah, dude, it's fucking wild. It's he he is as as tough as they come, and I, I'm telling you. His, the way he's played all season long. It's like it's like somebody got finally got to his head and said, "Dude, you are one of the most gifted players this game has ever seen. Like you, all you got to do is like get your mind right, and like want it as bad as." And he was he was really close to being there too. Yeah,
0: so it's like they didn't have to turn that knob too far. But he's there definitely. Exactly. I think uh, you know he's he's not getting younger. This is his uh, you know twenty seven year old year. So. And with a guy with that size, like you can't imagine he's going to forty. Mm-mm. So, you know, at least not at a high level. But you know, so we'll see. I mean, unfortunately for for them, like yeah, first couple games are they're going to be without him. So let's see if they can have a sub- you know substantial uh, backup play. I oh, doubt it. God, I mean, DeAndre. Yeah, you know, I know. Oh. It's uh, you know, I mean, Harden's still playing, right? I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I, dude. I mean, but but like, here's the thing: Harden's liable to go up for 50 any game. This is why you got him. You know, possibility. You gotta hold Like you fuck. Like you need him more now than absolutely ever. So it's like step up or sit the fuck down. We'll see. I mean, that's gonna be a huge, huge storyline. How does Harden play without Joel there? You know. So we'll uh, we'll catch. We'll start this back up. Um, pick the conversation back up. Let's
1: say like sometime next weekend and talk about the shit that went on. Yes, sir. Hopefully we have some Sixers wins to talk about at that point, and uh, we'll touch base on how these series are going. (laughs)